Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now for your host, Dan Mater. And welcome back, MD Nation listeners. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. I know what all of you must be thinking right now. MD Nation listeners, never heard you use that term before. Well, with the hot streak that this show has been on in gaining popularity and exposure as of late, uh, it was pointed out to me that it might be a good idea to show appreciation to you, the listeners, for making it possible in the first place. And you don't know how grateful I am to all of your loyal listens out there because you are the reason why the MD's Fantasy Football Show has been doing as well as it has been as of late. And it was pointed out to me that it would be a good idea to build a community that everyone can feel included and a part of and be a part of this show. So therefore, you all now have the MD Nation tag, the MD Nation community to be able to identify with as a listener to this show on your way to a fantasy football championship. This is my thank you to all of you listeners out there. And it's been another week since my last podcast we did the Coaching Changes Fantasy Impact Part 3, and today we are going to be getting into the Coaching Changes Fantasy Impact Part 4, the last part of this Coaching Changes mini-series for this, and then listen to the very end of the show. I'm going to talk about what you can expect next Monday, because we will have another podcast next Monday, and what the new mini-series will be. So make sure you listen all the way through to the show as I talk about what the upcoming schedule for the MD's Fantasy Football Show will be. And it's been another week and another slew of announcements that I have to make for all of you out there. So very exciting. It feels like this has become a weekly occurrence now where all of a sudden I have announcements to make that we are a part of another network. And yet we are. The Belly Up Sports Network has graciously honored me, honored this show, and everything that I've worked very hard for, and now including me on their great, great network that they have established over the past year in the sports industry. And so now the MD's Fanny Football Show is a member of the Belly Up Sports Network. So excited to be a part of this group now as well, on top of being a member of the Overtime Heroics Network and being a partner with the Unwrapped Sports Network. I'll talk a little in a little bit about the Belly Up Sports Network. I have a spot after we go through the latest news segment to tell you what that is all about but very exciting stuff here indeed and speaking of the overtime heroics network i know last week i talked about you know making sure you're following me at twitter which make sure you're doing at mdff show also at mdff show on facebook but i talked about if you were following along that i would probably announce sometime in the near future this show having a live episode coming up soon it's going to wind up being a little bit Later than I anticipated, got pushed back a little bit uh, just to give you kind of a peek behind the curtain without giving away too many details as to what was going on. The Overtime uh, Overtime Heroics Network was setting up a way for podcasts to be able to have live episodes over the website. Uh, Due to some technical difficulties that they had with another show that was gearing up to go live that particular earlier on in the week than we were planning on going... They came up with a solution to the difficulties that they were having in a in a great way. The Top Brass came up with the idea of, hey, you know what? Let's start our own YouTube channel. So you have the Overtime Heroics YouTube channel now, which has been a great 
source of content already just within a week. Uh, there's going to be live episodes from podcasts like mine and other and other podcasts out there that are part of the Overtime Heroics Network, which is vast and covers many different uh, sports. There's going to be videos that just get uploaded uh, to there that may necessarily be live, but we'll have episodes on there as well. There's already been a few great debates there uh, from some of our own there from the Overtime Heroics Network. Uh, also, there will be there'll be recaps, there'll be previews. So make sure you're following along and subscribing to the Overtime Heroics Network uh, on the YouTube channel. This show will have an episode on there eventually. I promise you that. I just don't know exactly when that's going to be now at this time. But of course, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, follow me on Facebook at MDFF Show, you will know when that goes down. And make sure you're following me on Twitter at MDFF Show for the player update news notifications. I've been sending those out non-stop that is a 24-7 thing that I do for you on Twitter for free that you can follow along and get all the latest insider news of what's coming out of the football mini camps look I know I know mini camps are over I know we're waiting for training camp to start but there's been a lot of news of what happened during the offseason and a lot of shakeups uh, which we're going to get into in the latest news segment uh, in just a few moments so those are some of the great things that are going on with this show with some of the networks that we are, are so gladly and graciously a part of so I want to make sure all of you know about that today's episode like I said is going to be the coaching changes fantasy impact part four we're talking the Ravens tonight we're talking the Jets we're talking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers those three teams and that will wrap up the coaching changes fantasy impact so before we move on into that part of the show let's go ahead and get into our latest news segment to kick off the show here and I only have Two things that I really want to talk about. I've you know I've been posting a lot of different stuff out there on the Twitter feed, so make sure you're following that. But uh, there's there's two things that that stood out to me for this week that I thought for sure we needed to make sure we went over here in the podcast. The first one being that Paul Perkins has actually seemingly moved ahead of Wayne Gallman in the depth chart for the Giants, which is a, a big shock. Paul Perkins, look for all intents and purposes. Paul Perkins had fell off the map completely for pretty much anybody. If you were in Dynasty Leagues and you were looking for backups, people were drafting Wayne Gallman to be the number two. That had been the expectation throughout this entire offseason until just recently we're hearing news that it looks as though many of the insiders and beat writers think that Paul Perkins has actually jumped over Wayne Gallman in the depth chart to become the number two while Wayne Gallman has now fallen back to the number three spot large part to do with the fact that it seems though Wayne Gallman struggled during many camps, struggled with drops, and with him, that's a big that's a big issue because the biggest thing he brings to the table is his pass catching ability. And if they are shaky in their confidence with how he's performing as far as that aspect of his game goes, it does stand the reason that he would maybe be lowered in the depth chart and lowered in the confidence of what you can expect out of him. And look, Paul Perkins is still a very young guy. He's still only 24 years old. Uh, he was drafted as a second-round draft pick. He he did have some talent coming in. He's just kind of underachieved to this point. And the reason why this is such a big deal is because if something were to happen to Saquon Barkley, this team is going to be built around what their running back can give them. Now, what Saquon Barkley can give them, that's basically what they're going to be built behind. But they're not going to be able to just automatically change the scheme and change their whole offensive dynamic if he goes down. They're not going to just be able to say, hey, Eli, throw us out of here because he's he's not at that part of his career anymore. He cannot carry that offense anymore at this point, especially now that they don't have a true deep threat to be able to go to. So that's a big issue in and of itself. So the running game, the second running back to Saquon Barkley is very important for fantasy football purposes. In redraft leagues, it's something to keep your eye on. You're not going to be drafting Paul Perkins, but even in dynasty leagues, if you're later on and you're looking like, okay, maybe what running back is an injury away from being fantasy viable, uh, don't draft Wayne Gallman ahead of Paul Perkins right now. I am telling you, for all, unless, unless something catastrophic happens in training camp, it sounds like Paul Perkins is going to be the number two. The second piece of news that I want to get into is Tyreek Hill. We can't, you know, we can't not mention this. So we had his meeting with the NFL this past Wednesday. I believe it was on June 26th. And apparently that went very, very well for Tyreek Hill. So well, in fact, that the reports surrounding the NFL on Tyreek Hill's behalf at this point 
are all suggesting that he may be facing just a maximum ban of four games, and that is it at the most. It's no it, the eight games, the the Kareem Hunt suspension, which was what I was expecting, being that it involved the child, being that it wasn't his first strike, was what I was expecting to have happen. The we had heard that as far as the criminal case had had gone, it seemed as though Tyree Kill was looking like he was going to come out of that without too much damage from the Justice Department side of it. And whatever was said in this meeting, it seems as though calmed the NFL about what his role exactly was in this incident. And it, now it sounds like Tyreek Hill might only might only be suspended for four games. If that's the case, that helps every. I mean, that helps Patrick Mahomes be able to. Uh, you know, he's definitely gonna have a regression as far as like fifty touchdowns goes. But this could help him stay ensure that he stays in the high 30s, maybe even reaches the low 40s, having a Tyree kill for at least 12 games if that was to take place. So as of right now, where that stands, it sounds as though that everyone is expecting to have uh, the official news one way or another come out before training camp. Most of these teams return back to training camp that last week of July. So I would expect during that week that we will hear something about what is going on with Tyreek Hill, what his suspension will include. And to be clear, even if he is suspended for the first four games, he is allowed to take part in training camp. He will be allowed to take part in those practices. He'll even be able to play in preseason games should the Kansas City Chiefs wish to do so. Uh, which they might, because if he is suspended for the first four games, they might do it as a, a cardio session to make sure you know he gets as much playing time as and reps as possible we, without being an insane amount. Obviously, it's still preseason; you're not going to have Tyree Kill out there getting hurt unnecessarily. Uh, but that is probably what they're going to be able to wind up doing. It won't be until the season starts that he won't be able to be with the team for however long the suspension winds up being. But that is huge news in and of itself, not just for Tyreek Hill, but for Patrick Mahomes, for Travis Kelsey, for Sammy Watkins. It affects everyone involved as we're going into the redraft leagues. And it's already been something that I've had to adjust in the ongoing process of the projections that I am still working on. I'm still just a few weeks away from having the first complete downloadable draft kit available to you. Now the projections and the rankings, they will be made available to you on the website at www.mdffshow.com for you to be able to go on there and take a look at and get an idea of where guys are valued based on my algorithms and what I have seen. And I will, of course, talk about that in, in episodes to come throughout August as we get into the draft season. Because it's, I mean, hey, July 1st is today. This episode's coming out to you on July 1st. So we are about a month away to really starting to gear down on draft season. So very, very exciting. So that that is what we have going on there. And then download of draft kit, it'll have it'll have the projections and rankings, but it'll also have the tier rankings. I'm going to have the complete NFL schedule for you. I'm going to have the most up-to-date depth charts for you. I may have this out before the official depth charts first hit. Uh, they'll be my projected depth charts, and then I will make sure I am updating you on what the latest depth charts are from each of the 32 teams out there. So that's what all be included in the complete downloadable draft kit that you'll be able to use to win your drafts and be well on your way to winning your championship or at least be definitely on the right direction to winning your championship as a result if you can win your drafts and that what is was what it will be designed to do so we're going to take a quick break right here we we'll talk about the belly up sports network real quick and then we're going to come back and get into this podcast and start off with the baltimore ravens on the other side the MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become the newest member of the Belly Up Sports Network. The Belly Up Sports Network is a rising star in the sports industry. After having emerged onto the scene in just a year, they have accrued a massive following with bold articles, standout podcasts, and great debate amongst followers in the forums. Sign up for their newsletter and get access to all of the information throughout the Belly Up Sports Network. Go to bellyupsports.com today to join. Be bold and stand out. The Baltimore Ravens. I have been really looking forward to this podcast in particular in the Coaching Changes Fantasy Impact series because of the three teams that we get to talk about leading off with the Baltimore Ravens because it's just a very intriguing situation. So Greg Roman comes in. He's going to take over as the full-blown offensive coordinator from the get-go this season. We saw what he wanted to do when Lamar Jackson took over a year ago and Greg Roman came in to take over as the offensive coordinator as well. And 
I was uh, during my projections because I did get this part of it done. Uh, what I did is just out of curiosity prorated Lamar Jackson over a 16 game season. Had he started all 16 games, what would his production would have looked like? <laughs> and I started cracking up because Lamar Jackson was would have actually prorated out to 272 carries. That was what I got to him. 272 carries over a 16-game season is what Lamar Jackson would have prorated out to had he been the starter for the entire year and they used the same offense. And presumably, they probably would have had they done that. Same offense throughout the 16-game season. 272 carries as a quarterback. That is absurd and definitely, 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 definitely not an expectation of mine going into this season. Having said that, he is still going to run the ball a ton. He still is still going to be a, a primarily run first offense. A Greg Roman system almost always is to begin with. And he has extensive. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner experience and knowledge working with scrambling quarterbacks worked with Colin Kaepernick uh, during his really good years when he went to the Super Bowl run and his build up to that and then went on to work with the Buffalo Bills and work with Tyrod Taylor who had a couple of pretty productive seasons if you guys remember Tyrod Taylor was the top 12 quarterback in fantasy football under Greg Roman so it it stands the reason that the very similar situation will be here they're going to have planned runs from Lamar Jackson. They're, like I said, they're going to be a run first. They're going to have read options. They're going to make the offense as simple as possible for him to get him into rhythm. That is going to be the goal this year. Uh, I mean, besides being a run first team and that being part of that, it's also going to be because, well, frankly, they don't have a ton of weapons to throw the ball to. Uh, Mark Andrews, I like him a lot as a tight end. I'm probably not going to have him rated super high just because I don't think there's going to be a lot of passing yards to go around at the end of the day. But I do think Mark Andrews will probably be the number one red zone target for the Baltimore Ravens. And he's a nice piece to have. But your wide receivers here are going to be headed by by Miles Boykin, by Marquise Brown, two rookie wide receivers. And we know that it usually takes rookie wide receivers a minute to develop. It's usually just how it goes. And Greg Roman not being an aerial assault guy, not being known for having these high productive passing games, uh, there's just not going to be a lot there. This is going to be a team that's built around the run, which is fine. I still have a very good offensive line in place. That's what Greg Greg Roman's bread and butter is. He's going to be very much in his element with play-action passing being a part of that. Uh, Play-action rollout passing to be more specific because you're going to want to use Lamar Jackson's mobility in that situation to give him the option to be able to throw or run and have him already be on the run to have that momentum built up because he's very hard to catch if he's already in a full sprint, which in those situations he would be. And that's that's the type of passing game that I expect to see out of Lamar Jackson. I expect to see some improvement uh i expect to see some fundamentals improvement especially with the footwork that was that would be the biggest thing does does lamar Lamar jackson work on his footwork i'm not too worried about the arm talent i'm not too worried about a lot of things lamar jackson the biggest thing that stood out to me as to why he was horrendously inaccurate at times a season ago is because he seemingly threw the ball flat-footed and that surprised me because coming from louisville it is one of the more pro style type offenses out there and he usually threw a really pretty ball especially deep i don't know just because he's was just so used to running, was very out of rhythm, which is part of it when you're only throwing the ball 18, 19 times. I think it's hard for a quarterback to get in the rhythm in those situations. But he was threw the ball very flat-footed, especially when he wanted to go deep. Uh, I expect that to be able to change. That's what I want to see. Get up on your toes. Get get your shoulders square. I just want to see those little things. Those little things will make Lamar Jackson uh, that much harder for a defense to be able to take away with his uh, primarily rushing ability I think going into the season especially in the beginning of the season we'll see how it develops later on 
As far as the wide receivers go, Marquise Brown, Miles Boykin, I love these guys in, in Dynasty League setups uh, for the future. I love Marquise Brown's talent. I think Marquise Brown and A.J. Brown were my two top receivers in this draft class. I had both of them over the likes of D.K. Metcalf or Nikhil Harry or anybody else you want to throw into that mix. If, you, if you've if you listened to my podcast in the past when, I, when we were leading up into the draft, I talked about that then. I love his talent. Uh, I don't see why there's going to be a huge difference between how Marquise Brown was used and the production that you got out of John Brown, which was not overly significant. You know, John Brown was a fantasy player there with Joe Flacco, uh, was quarterbacking later on the season. It was pretty much like, if you caught a bomb, great. If not, mm. so I mean, as far as for this season goes, I think Marquise Brown's value goes no further than best ball, maybe an occasional DFS flyer, uh, something like that. But he's not going to be a big key that you're going to want to have in redraft leagues. Same things goes for Miles Boykin. As far as the wide receivers go, I think Boykin's just due to his natural stature and athletic ability will be the main red zone wide receiver threat, but he won't be the main red zone threat it'll be you know it'll be running the ball in with Lamar Jackson or Mark Ingram it'll be throwing the ball to Mark Andrews and then maybe you get into the Miles Boykins of the world but don't don't forget Hayden Hurst is still going to be a factor on this team as well I think they are going to run a lot of two tight end sets multiple tight end sets Greg Roman has a history of doing that and they're built to do that they brought back Nick Boyle they had they drafted these two young guys they drafted Hayden Hurst in the first round not Mark Andrews remember that as well so they're going to want to use him out there so you're going to see a lot of those types of situations and then depending on where they are on the field, I think will dictate whether it's, you know, if they are using multiple tight ends and it's just one wide receiver set, will it be Marquise Brown or Miles Boykin? I think that'll just depend on where on the field they are at that time. So when it comes to the Baltimore Ravens, it comes to Greg Roman, you're really just looking at can Lamar Jackson be a serviceable enough quarterback from a fantasy football perspective because of his rushing ability? Which I think the answer to that is is yes. I don't think Lamar Jackson will finish as a, as a quarterback uh, one, uh, as a QB one, and uh, being that I don't think he'll finish in the top 12. That's that's what I'm referencing, referencing when I say I don't think he's going to quite be a quarterback one. But I do think he's going to be a guy who is going to have stream ability. Uh, he's going to be able to be, be paired up with another quarterback. If you're a guy who likes to wait on quarterbacks and take maybe two of them late and kind of mix match and stream, he's definitely going to be one of those guys that you're going to want to have on your team because he's going to have weeks where he's frankly just going to be a safe option. He's going to have a very high floor each and every week. And if he can show you some improvement in the passing game, he might get you some of those games that Josh Allen got you uh, in a couple of weeks where he would explode because he got your rushing ability and then he hit a couple of bombs through the air. It could be a very similar situation to that on a, on a case-by-case basis. It's not going to be a thing you're going to play him every single week for. The other instance on this offense is that you want a piece of this running game. I think people are way too low on Mark Ingram. And I don't care if you're in a standard league, a half-point league, a full PPR league. Mark Ingram is going to get fed the ball. I'm still going through my projections like I said right now. I did complete the Baltimore Ravens and... Frankly, I think I might even be a little bit low on Mark Ingram. I can, I'll can i give you a little preview. I, I think I have him capped out. Um, not capped out, but I have him projected for 271 carries. And I think that's low. And the only reason why I have him at that number is because I do believe the Ravens will have a running back by committee to do a degree. Uh, I think they're going to run the ball so much that Mark Ingram's not going to be on the field every time for it because it's going to be so overwhelming that they're going to have to give him more breathers where it's not necessarily going to be a Mark Ingram series and then a Gus Edwards series or a Mark Ingram on first and second down and then say a Justice Hill or a Kenneth Dixon on third down. I don't think it's going to be that automatic specialty role that you are going to see. I just think it's going to be so much volume that you're going to see a bunch of guys get touches. I think Gus Edwards is going to be involved from games. I don't think he's going to have any... Uh, fantasy value uh, unless Mark Ingram was to get hurt I but I think the big key is you know Justice Hill and Kenneth Dixon look Mark Ingram's an efficient pass catcher he's worked on that part of his game that is something he can uh, attribute 
since coming over from the Saints, which I think is a big reason why they wanted to sign him is because they won't have to get so predictable. They won't automatically need to take Mark Ingram off the field. Something else I think people should keep in mind. I have Mark Ingram catching 39 balls this year. Uh, and I think if he catches 39 balls with the 271 carries and the way that team can run the ball and with the amount of yards he'll be able to tack on, I think there's a very, very legitimate shot that Mark Ingram could be a top 12 running back this season in this system if he stays healthy all the way through. Um, one of the things I don't want to talk too much about the projections, but the, the this Ravens are one of the teams that I did. So I can kind of go off of this a little bit more and kind of give you a taste of what it's going to look like. One of the things you're going to find that I've done differently than everybody else when it comes to these projections is that I'm accounting for injured prone players where I am. I am not projecting automatically everyone for a 16 game season. Like most seem to do when they do these preseason projections. I get it. Uh, the argument usually is, you know, you can't, you can't project injury. You don't know when it's going to happen, how bad it's going to be, how much time you're going to miss, how little time you're going to miss. And I appreciate all that. But when you're looking at certain players who have a history, there's certain instances where it's like, I can project that you're probably going to miss a game or two here, maybe three, maybe four even, depending on who you are. And I think it's irresponsible on the part of people like myself who do projections, who do rankings, to not take that into effect. Uh, I think a lot of people, what they try to do is that they'll project it for 16 games, but then lessen their projected numbers as a way to reflect that. I'm just like, look, I think if you're in the game, on average, you're going to get 20 carries a game, Mark Ingram. You're going to get maybe four targets a game, Mark Ingram. That if you're in the game and you're starting, that's what I expect. I expect you to have the possibility of getting about 24, 25 touches in a game. That's what I expect. But maybe you don't play 16. In Ingram's case, I can tell you that I actually have him projected for 15. Um, so it's not much. It's not far off. He's been pretty durable for the past couple of years, but he had two years in the last three where he didn't miss a game or two. So I have him for 15. Maybe that's a big read of 271. He gets that extra 16th game. Maybe that's what gets him to 300 carries right there. So... My point at the end of the day is, though, with, with this system, the way they're going to be heavily favored to run, I think a lot of the running backs are going to get some work throughout the games, but I think Mark Ingram really, really, really has a legitimate shot at being a top 12 running back in fantasy football this year, and I think the biggest reason for that is people are underestimating exactly how many balls they can expect him to catch, and I think if he catches you 39, 40 balls, I, that's why I say I don't care if he's in standard half point, full point PPR, the opportunity is on the table for him to take advantage and be that guy who right now has his ADP in like the fifth and sixth round going behind guys like Marlon Mack. I love Marlon Mack, but Marlon Mack is an injury prone type of player. Uh, it, those types of guys, Aaron Jones, we don't know for sure that Aaron Jones isn't going to be spending time with Jamal Williams, and he has had his fair share of injuries thus far in his young career as well. I like Mark Ingram as a safer option at the very least, more than both. I think Marlon Mack has more of an upside, but as far as a safer option, a guy who I'm going to supplant, if I'm sitting back there and I need an RB2, I'm going to take Mar I'm going to take Mark Ingram over Marlon Mack. I'm telling you right that right now if I'm in that situation where I need a solid RB2 because I went receiver early and I have I have just one running back and depending on what that maybe that one running back is Todd Gurley and I need that safe option Mark Ingram I'm telling you is a guy who's going to carry some teams to the playoffs and be that he's gonna I think he's gonna be that guy who can maybe take you to the championship that a lot of people weren't expecting you got that fifth sixth round and you wound up getting an RB1 out of him the opportunity is on the table for him with guys like Justice Hill, look, he's still a rookie. I don't trust rookie running backs, especially not not first-round drafted rookie running backs to some degree because they, you have to show me you can pass block in this league in order to be able to be guaranteed a significant amount of playing time. And that's really what it boils down to. So, And, and I think a big thing, too, is that Kenneth Dixon's still on the roster. Now, if Kenneth Dixon gets cut, then that could open up a big a big door for Justice Hill to come in on third downs when he need to when when it is third and long and they need a more explosive playmaker out there. I think there is a chance for that to happen in those situations. But I gotta see Ken Dixon get cut. I gotta see how Justice Hill pass blocks in the NFL. Those are things you have to keep in mind with these rookie quarterbacks, especially especially with an offensive coordinator like. Greg Roman, who's going to favor somebody who has a good handle on pass blocking rather than their playmaking ability. So something to just keep in mind there. All right, we're going to take another quick break right here. On the other side, we're going to come out. We're going to talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers.
The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become a new member of Overtime Heroics. Overtime Heroics is a fantastic sports media platform for sports fans all around the world to come and participate in their extensive forums. And now with the merger of the Land Sports Network, the website will soon have great content available from extremely well-written articles to entertaining and informative podcasts from all sports for you to enjoy. All you have to do is register for free at OvertimeHeroics.com to participate. Again, that's OvertimeHeroics.com. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Guess who's back? Back again. Baby, he's back. Bruce Arians, everybody. I'm so happy that Bruce Arians decided to come back and coach again this season. When he left the Cardinals in the first place, I know it had to do with health issues, but he just, he really seemed like the coaching fire had not gone out yet, that he was not done, and I'm very glad that he was able to get whatever it was that he needed to get under control and be able to manage enough to get to the back to the point where he can be a head coach again in the NFL. And there could not be a more perfect fit for him to return to than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Look, I love Jameis Winston in the Bruce Arians system. Bruce Arians was tailor-made to develop Jameis Winston. First of all, I don't think there's anyone out there who thinks James Winston does not still possess the talent that he was highly touted for when he was the number one pick in the draft for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, well, I guess five years ago now it was. Uh, that hasn't diminished. The problem has been is that he hasn't taken a step forward in the sense of his fundamentals under pressure still break down. He still doesn't always make the right read. He still is turnover prone. But now he's coming into a system where Bruce Arians, Bruce Arians is not the, is not the type of offensive-minded head coach who kills you for throwing a lot of interceptions. Sure, he'll kill you if you make a really boneheaded read. Sure, he'll kill you if you go in there and make the same mistake twice. But he's the type of guy who wants you to be aggressive while throwing the football. Carson Palmer was always in the teens uh, throwing interceptions when he was there in Arizona. But they would still have a passing game that would go for roughly 4,500 yards every year. Would go for you know the high 20s, low 30s, and touchdowns every single season. That offense that was highly productive. That is what they were built to do because they were built to throw the ball predominantly in the intermediate to deep part of the field. And that is what Jameis Winston does best. And he has a coach behind him who's saying, I don't care. Go ahead. Let it fly. Be aggressive. He will be able to settle in, I think, quite nicely. Not to mention the fact that you have wide receivers like Mike Evans, like the up-and-coming star and Chris Godwin. I even kind of like the Brashad Perryman signing a little bit here. I think his his natural explosiveness, his natural ability to be able to stretch the field will help open everything else kind of up for this team as well. But let's not forget, I love Cameron Bray. I love O.J. Howard. And mentioning the tight ends is kind of where I kind of want to lead off into before I come back to James Winston and the wide receivers. Because I've been hearing a lot of talk about how Bruce Arians doesn't use the tight end and will O.J. Howard be able to live up to the hype and, and will they be able to use utilize all these guys and blah, 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 blah. Yes, he didn't utilize the tight end in Arizona Cardinals because they did not have a tight end for him to utilize. Go back to his Pittsburgh Steelers days when he was the offense coordinator there and they had Heath Miller, who was you know a top 10 tight end every single year. And there was really nothing overly special about Heath Miller other than he was good for moving the chains and he always caught the ball when it was thrown near him. Let's fast forward to when he was the offense coordinator and interim head coach while Chuck Pagano was gone for the Indianapolis Colts. And you had had Kobe Fleener and Dwayne Allen, who are pretty much disappeared out of the league since then, having some of their best years under Bruce Arians. He will utilize the tight end if he has tight ends to utilize. He's got two to utilize. So OJ Howard is a monster, first of all. He is a wide receiver in a in an offensive lineman body. I mean, he is just OJ Howard is probably one of my favorite athletic tight ends right now. He almost is my favorite tight end. Obviously, that would be Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 
Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. You know, especially fantasy football purposes, that would be Travis Kelsey, that'd be George Kittle, that'd be Zach Ertz. But as far as just a natural talent at the tight end position right now, I think OJ Howard's probably my favorite guy to go out there and watch. He just has the whole thing, and I hope, I hope that he can stay healthy. He will be utilized in this system. Cameron Bray, I even expect to be utilized in this system. The one of the reasons why I like Perryman a little bit is because I don't think they're going to be playing a lot of three. Well, they'll be playing three receiver sets, but I don't. I think there's actually a chance their base formation and offensively could be two receivers and two tight ends. Because of, of what you have at the tight end position, because of how much of a pass catcher Cameron Braid is, because of how dynamic OJ Howard is, you don't necessarily need a third receiver out there all the time. Now, they're still going to play their fair share of three receivers. Do not get me twisted at all while I'm saying this. But my point is that I think you're going to see a lot of two tight end, two receiver sets. And that's really, as Tampa Bay Buccaneers, all you're going to need because of the athletes that you have at those positions. Mike Evans is Mike Evans. Mike Evans is, is one of the most underrated superstars out there. And for fantasy purposes, I don't know how he always gets overlooked, but he's always a wide receiver one every single year. He gets targeted a bunch. I Yes, he's not in the tier of the Julio, of the Hopkins, or the Devontae Adams going into this season, but he's in that next tier just below. I think he's right there with Mike Thomas in, in, in this going into this season because of this system. Uh, he's ahead of A.J. Green and should be. He's in that second wide receiver one tier right there. Uh, that is what Mike Evans is. He is a superstar, and he fits perfectly for the Bruce Arians system. He's going to get targeted a ton. And you have Chris Godwin, who I think is going to be a very, very good player. Now, here's the thing about Chris Godwin. Definitely great system for him. It's it's an aired out system. There's going to be plenty of passing yards to go around and everything like that. The thing is that Chris Godwin still hasn't actually played in a full-time role for a 16-game season as of yet. Still a young receiver, still developing. He is going into year three, but my caution is just his, his ADP is in that like fourth, fifth round right now. And while I think he is going to be a high-end wide receiver too, I'm... I'm a little hesitant in putting him over other teams' wide receiver ones that are in the mix. I'm a little hesitant in putting him over Allen Robinson, who I truly believe if he can stay healthy for a full 16-game season is going to see the ball thrown a ton his way this year. Uh, I have a little bit of hesitancy in automatically putting him over Alshon Jeffrey. Maybe you do it because you look Allen Robinson and Alshon Jeffrey have injury-prone histories, and that can be your argument, and I wouldn't argue against that if it was. I'm not saying you're crazy for taking Godwin over those two, but I would be hesitant in doing those things because those are two guys in two situations where if they have a full 16-game season, especially I feel like for Alshon Jeffrey, who's in just as good of a talented offense as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is, uh, they're, they're touchdown guys. They are the number one targeted guys at the, at the receiver position where Chris Godwin's still going to be second fiddle to Mike Evans. Chris Godwin's not going to sit there and put up 1,400-1,500 yards when when he has Mike Evans on the other side of the field. He's not going to put up those type of numbers. Could put up 1,000 to 1,200 yards. Could he put up, you know, six to eight touchdowns? I think those are I think those are possible numbers. Those would put him in the high-end wide receiver two numbers without a doubt. But this this idea that I've seen with his his top-end upside being like uh, a almost a Julio Esque. I've seen places where he's he's projected for 14, 1500 yards, and I'm just I'm just sitting there like, is Mike Evans not on the team? And if you're projecting Mike Evans for more, well, I, that you know that's over 3,000 yards right there. What's everybody else going to get? There's other there's other mouths to feed on this offense. So I'm just to temper your your upside expectations for Chris Godwin. I don't want you to come off of Chris Godwin. He's still going to be very good. This is still a great situation for him. But I would temper my expectations a little bit in the sense of where he's going ADP-wise, the way he keeps getting ranked up. He's no longer longer a sleeper. Back in March, back in April, people were like, Chris Godwin's going to be my sleeper guy. He's not a sleeper anymore. Everyone's on his radar. All right, so just be careful. Don't just jump at somebody because he's on the hype wheel. That that's that's all. He's still going to be good. 
I don't want to get this twisted. I know I'll get bashed later on. Like, oh, you're not a fan of Chris Godwin. That, that's not the case. I'm just saying make sure you have a reasonable expectation given the fact that he is the number two wide receiver on his own team and given the fact that O.J. Howard is going to see quite a lot of work, especially playing 16 games as well. He's not the only mouth to feed. As far as the running back situations go, everyone's trying to figure out what's going to do. Bruce Arians, in years past, usually if he has the ability to do so, will go with a featured guy. Key word in there, key phrase in there is ability to do so. The lat everyone talks about how the Pittsburgh Steelers are primarily a one running back feature type of team. If you go back in their history to the time where they were not, to the time before Le'Veon, when they were splitting. They were splitting between Rashard Menahel and Willie Parker. That was Bruce Arians. That was his offense. So when he felt like he didn't have one guy to do it all, he would use both guys. Now, I personally, I am not a Ronald Jones fan. I do not think he's that talented. Uh, everyone seems to love his upside. He kind of falls in the same category. Darius, I think Darius Geist is a little bit better, but he kind of falls in the same category with Darius Geist to me where I feel like their talent getting drafted was overblown to begin with. Now, I would like to point out that Ronald Jones didn't get hurt last year like Darius Geis did. He just simply couldn't get on the field because he simply was not good enough. Now, a lot of people was like, well, Dirk Cutter, you know, not great for running backs and blah, blah, blah. It was Peyton Barber. Peyton Barber is only good at falling forward for three yards. That is it. That is all Peyton Barber can do. That is all he brings to the table. He may not lose you a ton. He may get you, make sure he gets you back to the line of scrimmage. He's only good for getting you falling forward for three yards. He's not a guy who gets to the second and third level. He's not a breakaway guy. He's not a guy who's going to move the chains. He's not a guy who can lean your running game on. And Ronald Jones still could not even get on the field. Not, not just that he couldn't just be his backup. Couldn't get on the field. I don't care if Dirk Cutter was the head coach. Ronald Jones is not as fast as everyone thinks he is. He ran a 4-4-5 in the 40. All right, that's fast, but everyone wants to make him out to be like he's this 4-3 guy, like he's going to catch the ball and just dart. If he has a clear path, if he has a straightaway, sure, his vision is lacking. He does not have the great ability to break tackles. He doesn't have that lower body uh, strength that you normally need as a running back to be able to bounce off of guys fluently in the NFL. NFL. He doesn't have it. Doesn't have it. Now, from all from all reports are that he has been impressing in training camp, but it, it's mini camp. Everyone looks good in shorts until the hitting actually starts. Then we'll see. And then on top of it, we've been getting reports over the past week that hey, all this new kick coming out for Ronald Jones, so people are getting all excited. Oh, is Ronald Jones going to wind up taking the starting job? Is he going to be maybe be the featured guy? This and that. Does he, should he be moving up fantasy boards? And he definitely was moving up fantasy boards. But then we get the reports over the last couple of days like, hold on, hold on. Peyton Barber is still more likely to be the leader in rushing yards on this team. He is still more likely to get the majority of the work. And Ronald Jones is down is 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 down for history for not being a great pass catcher coming out. That's not what he was known for. And that's a big, that's a big reason why he couldn't get on the field last year because while he wasn't going to be the better rusher, he's not a great pass blocker and a the catching ability, that that part of his game is not something he's known for. It's not a strong suit of his game. So you can't add his wide-open, quote-unquote, playmaking ability uh, on the outside in one-on-ones because he's not that great catching the ball to get out into the space and be in those situations in the, in the begin with. So it's just something to keep in mind. I expect this to be a running back by committee. I expect it to be you know, maybe a 55-45, a 60-40 split between Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones when it comes to the rushing game. I don't know what we're going to see in the passing game. I think we're going to see Peyton Barber in a lot on third downs because he has the ability to pass block. And in a Bruce Arian system, the way he does like to air it out, he typically needs that running back to be able to block. Uh, So I think Peyton Barber is going to be the one who's out there in most of those situations. So just something to keep in mind. I personally, I'm not in a redraft league. I'm not taking either one of them. Peyton Barber may be that guy who you're sitting back in the 14th, 15th, 16th round who's sitting there and just like, he's a starting running back in the NFL. Yeah, he is. If you want to take him there as your, you know, your fifth running back, that's fine. But I personally, I'm still going to go take somebody else who has more upside. I'm going to take AP who's sitting back there who I think has more of a shot to not only play as much as Peyton Barber is going to do, but have more of a shot to be more productive than he will be. And AP sitting there borderline not getting drafted in the 15th, 16th round redraft leagues right now too. So I'm taking guys like that. I'd rather take a Carlos Hyde who I still think has a very good shot, even if he's not the quote-unquote starter. 
I still, I still think he has a very good shot of having a prominent role. So I'm still going to take those guys before I take a Peyton Barber, who I think will be the starting running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the end of the day. This, you know, Bruce Arians, if he has that one running back, that one running back can be very, very effective. We saw David Johnson. If he, even if he has two running backs who are good at what they do, Rashard Mendenhall, Willie Parker had their roles. They were very productive. But he's in a situation where he just doesn't have that good running game. I still, I, I still think there's a small chance. There's no reports now. You know, don't, don't say I'm sourcing anybody. There's no reports on this. There's no. I haven't even really seen a rumor on this, quite frankly. But this is just coming from me. You're hearing it first from me on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. There is still a part of me that really, truly believes that there is a chance LaShawn McCoy winds up on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I would not be shocked if the Bills went ahead and just cut him and took the loss and just got the rest of the money off the books this season and went into the season with Frank Gore and TJ Yeldon and Devin Singletary and just went ahead and cut LaShawn McCoy because they just figured they don't need him anymore. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. And if that happens... I do not see a better fit or a team who would want him more than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And remember, they still have the money that they freed up in the Jerome McCoy releasing because when they signed Adam Kasu, they got him on a cheaper deal. So they still have cap room right now that they can use. So, like I said, there's no report on this. This is not an inside information that I'm getting from anybody. This is just coming from me observing the league where I just would not be surprised if that opportunity were to present itself. That's something that could very well happen. Leaving the door open at the end of the day where Peyton Barber nor Ronald Jones might even wind up being the starter. Because Bruce Arians does want to be able to use the running game. He wants to be able to use play action. And I just don't think they have one right now. And his system is not something that's going to amplify those two type of running backs in any kind of way. Just because they just don't have it. They don't have what he's looking for. So something to keep in mind. I'm just not going to touch their backfield. Jameis Winston, I just want to talk around him real quick because I'm kind of going on the Buccaneers. We still got to get to the Jets before this podcast is up. Uh, Jameis Winston is is fit perfectly for this team. A, I think the biggest thing for Jameis Winston is that he knows he doesn't have to look over his shoulder this year. There is no Ryan Fitzpatrick sitting back there. He's not in a situation where the head coach has to find a way to win. Otherwise, he's going to get fired like Dirk Cutter was a season ago. He's in a situation where Bruce Arians came in. He... From the get-go said, I wanted to coach Tampa Bay Buccaneers because of Jameis Winston. He's going to let him do his thing. Is Winston going to throw some turnovers? Yeah. Is he going to probably have a week or two here or there where he winds up maybe losing you a week because he has a 10-point game? It's possible. But he's going to have a lot of games where he's 30 or more points, where he's 20 or more points. In this offensive system, more times than not, he's going to have games where he's going to be able to get you comparative production of those top five quarterbacks and be in that realm and be able to keep you competitive with them even though you took Jameis Winston in the teen type rounds in that 11th or later round which is where he's going right now he's got a lot of value right there there's no reason why he doesn't throw for 4,500 yards there's no reason why he's not in the high end of the 20s and the touchdowns possibly low end 30s with those weapons and in that system with Bruce Arians there Jameis Winston is definitely a popular sleeper quarterback for a lot of people to go off of, but I am telling you right now, if you're in a situation where you wanted to wait on quarterback late, like we just talked about Lamar Jackson, Baltimore Ravens, if you took Jameis Winston and Lamar Jackson as your combination later on because you were able to stack up early and then you started to take those two quarterbacks in, I don't know, 11th, 12th round, I think you're going to be set up pretty well to be able to compete with all of those people who have those top-end QB1s that they're just going to play those guys each and every week and have been able to wait and load back because of the situations that they're in because of the productive production that is reasonably expected out of the two of them, those guys. So I, I, I love the system here. I think it's a perfect fit for Bruce Arians. Uh, sky's the limit really at the end of the day for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right, we're going to take one last break right here. We're going to come back, talk about the New York Jets. We'll close off the podcast. I'm going to let you know what you have to look forward to coming up in the next series of episodes that we're going to have throughout the July before we get into the great season of drafting in August. So let's take a quick break right here. 
The MD's Fantasy Football Show is now partnered with the Unwrapped Sports Network. Unwrapped Sports Network has a top-notch sports blog covering all sports all the time with a team of talented writers. You can also visit their podcast page to listen to this show and several others covering multiple sports. Sign up for their newsletter and never miss a thing at UnwrappedSports.com. Again, that's UnwrappedSports.com. The New York Jets. I always try to save the best for last. And when I mean I try to save the best for last, I mean I try to save the best reaction of mine for last. Adam Gase, need I say more? For those of you who were with me last year for the first year of the MD's Fantasy Football Show, I ripped Gase mercilessly on a week-to-week basis for being the coach of the Miami Dolphins. And the New York Jets... The, the sideshow, the moronacy, the idiocracy of the New York Jets and all of their retarded wisdom, or lack thereof, decided that Adam Gase was the guy that they wanted to hire. And not only do they decide that Adam Gase is the guy they want to hire, but they also allow Adam Gase to dictate to firing their GM after... They already had the NFL draft. Now, look, I'm not going to belabor this point. Everyone has talked about this at nauseum at this point. Everyone has ripped it. Uh, I, I don't know of too many people who are Adam Gase defenders anymore either. So that's something else to put out there. So we're not going to belabor that too much. But this is the coaching change's fantasy impact. Adam Gase is a coaching change from 2018 and 2019. So we have to talk about it. We have to talk about how dumb it is. And we have to talk about how this, I think, really ruins any prospect Sam Darnold had of becoming a really good NFL quarterback for general purposes and fantasy. So first of all, <laughs> Adam Gase, we know, is not very aggressive when it comes to throwing the ball down the field. He usually will have one guy who will take some shots to occasionally. That guy was Kenny Stills for the Dolphins. That guy was Emmanuel Sanders for the Broncos, which you know worked out well, probably in large part due to the fact that you had Peyton Manning. Uh, and it was, it was Brandon Marshall for the Chicago Bears. Predominantly, though, he's going to focus on the short-range passing game which means slot receivers so Jamison Crowder Jamison Crowder probably has the best chance to be able to be put in a position to benefit from having Adam Gase be his head coach look Jarvis Landry was going for 100 or 100 catches all those years there with Adam Gase and Ryan Tannehill I'm not saying Jamison Crowder is going to have 100 balls thrown even thrown his way let alone let alone receptions uh what I am saying though is that you know, Crowder was one of those guys who, going into last year, came off having a really good season where he had a lot of touchdowns for a slot wide receiver. Uh, was a guy that a lot of people like to take as their, you know, solid wide receiver two, higher end wide receiver three type of guy in that eighth, ninth round. And then, you know, part of it was injuries. Part of it was the Redskins being a disaster in general as far as throwing the ball a season ago and it just didn't work out. He goes to a situation where. He's gonna be able. He's gonna be the starting slot receiver. I mean, it's not. It's not gonna be Bellamy. It's going. It's going to be Jamison Crowder. It's gonna be slot receiver. Sam Darnold has already shown an infinity for wanting to throw it to the slot receiver in general. Hence, why Quincy Inunua actually had pretty significant fantasy value early on in the season last year uh, when Jeremy Bates was calling the plays when before Sam Darnold got hurt and before Quincy Inunua got hurt. So he's going to look to go that way. I think Jameson Crowder might wind up being the number one targeted wide receiver on the Jets. The best receiver on the Jets is Robbie Anderson, but because he is predominantly a deep threat guy, he's going to be on the outside. I think more times than not, he will not be the first read. I think Jameson Crowder is going to be the first read. This is an offense that is built around having three receivers out there. Uh, I mean, Anderson's going to be a guy where he's going to have tremendous value for you in best ball leagues. He's going to have tremendous value for you in DFS leagues. And he's going to have redraft value, for sure. He's going to have big weeks. That Are, are you going to know when those big weeks are coming? <sighs> Maybe. 
I mean, certain certain matchups kind of dictate that like this team gives up a lot of deep yard, you know, a lot of deep passes. Maybe in that situation, but I think more times than not, Robbie Anderson is going to be that guy who you're going to play on the wrong week because I think more times than not, it's going to be the wrong week for Robbie Anderson. You're going to have to get lucky. It's like playing roulette. You know, the odds are about as close to 50-50 as they can get, but it's still not quite in your favor. It's still a little bit more in the house's favor. That's that that's how I see Robbie Anderson being in this Adam Gase system. I think I see him being used more like a Kenny Stills, you know, rather than, you know, Devontae Parker for that one game that there nobody else was on the field and was, you know, was targeted heavily on the perimeter. Uh, you know, just to try to use an example because that's really the only example we have because he didn't really use any other perimeter receivers for anything. It was always the slot. It was the running back out of the backfield. So that that's what you're looking at. Another thing I want to actually hit on too is, is Chris Herndon. Chris Herndon is somebody who keeps getting talked up as a sleeper tight end. His ADP has now been kind of getting pushed up to like the ninth, 10th round because more people have been talking about him because he had a nice little late push at the end of last year. And tight end is such a desolate position that if you can get a guy who maybe can get you some consistency, at least in the red zone, you can maybe have a top 10 tight end for the week. And that's true because the tight, the position right now is, is really pathetic as far as the fantasy football perspective goes. But look at Adam Gase's history. Outside of Julius Thomas with that record-breaking offense with Peyton Manning, and Peyton Manning, by the way, who had a history of throwing the ball to the tight end, he hasn't utilized his tight ends. Tight ends have not flourished under Adam Gase. They have not produced at a high rate under Adam Gase. Mike Gesicki came in, you know, yes, he was a rookie tight end. Yes, there's a lot of history that goes with rookie tight ends not performing as well as maybe you would hope they would. But Mike Gesicki was wasn't even a thought last year. It, it wasn't it wasn't that he underperformed. It was that he was non-existent. And he's supposed to have some talent. He's supposed to, and it was talked up all offseason that the guy was going to be utilized in the passing game, and it just never happened. And it wasn't like they didn't have the quarterbacks who needed to throw the ball shorter, who needed a safety blanket to go to in that situation. They weren't they weren't having loads of talent there back throwing the ball a season ago under Adam Gase. So I don't I don't see the schematic fit that shows me that Chris Hernan should be a sleeper type tight end. I don't see it. I don't, I don't, Adam Gase is not that guy. He doesn't amplify the tight end positions. I'm staying away. Ninth, 10th round. Are you kidding me? The ADP? Chris Adon should be a guy who you're like thinking about maybe taking if you haven't bothered to take in a tight end and back in like the 14, 15, 16th round when you're just trying to fill up that last starting spot that you didn't bother to take because you're trying to, too busy loading up on other talent earlier on. Like that, that is, if you're going to draft him, that is where he belongs. And in total sleeper, deep play, take a flyer territory that's where he belongs not as a like ninth, 10th round prime guy who you think might actually legitimately have potential top 10 value in his position no no not in this system not with this coach the history is not there to support that and more so it goes back to my original point of Jameson Crowder I think is going to be the number one targeted guy he operates in the same part of the field Le'Veon Bell is going to be utilized in the passing game. He A, that's one of the best parts of his game, first and foremost. B, even though it drove me to almost nearly having an aneurysm with Adam Gase when it came to the uses of Kenyon Drake, he still did at least throw the ball to Kenyon Drake when he did finally have him out on the field. So he has he does have that. He will throw the ball to running backs who have the ability to catch the ball. He did with Ronnie Hillman in Denver. Uh, you know, Matt Forte for the longest time. And when they had Jeremy Langford and, and guys that they rotated in there, if the guy if the guy showed an ability to catch the ball, he definitely would make sure that the running back would get his checkdowns. So Le'Veon Bell also operates in that part of the field as well. They're both Jameson Crowder and Le'Veon Bell are definitely both going to be targeted before Chris Hernan is. So I'm not I'm not reading too much into that. Robbie Anderson doesn't belong in the same category as the Mike Williams, as the Allen Robinsons, as the Alshon Jeffries, as the Sammy Watkins. Uh, trying to think of some other guys who are going around that same territory as Robbie Anderson right now. He doesn't belong there. He's not in a situation in a system, and he doesn't like Sam Darnold doesn't have the strongest arm in the world. Like going going deep is not letting it fly is not what Sam Darnold really wants to do. With the end of the day, he. Not necessarily just a dink and dunk guy, even though I think in the Adam Gase system, that's what he's going to be pretty much brought to do, be told to do, is become a dink and dunk guy. He is a guy who likes to try to go in the intermediate part of the field, but he's not a guy who tries to go deep all the time. And I think that's what it's going to take for Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson's not going to get a ton of targets otherwise. 
So I, he doesn't belong in those, those guys. He belongs further back in the eighth, ninth round. He belongs in the in the realm of the Dante Pettises of the world, where you're probably you could probably be the number one receiver on the depth chart on your team, but it's going to be you know there's a lot of risk involved with you. That's why you belong in the like wide receiver four, low end wide receiver three territory, where you may have some potential to do better, but you already have it. Uh, implanted in your in where I drafted you at that you have risk that you're not in maybe not in the best situation possibly that's where Robbie Anderson is he has great playmaking ability he has great down the field ability he could all it takes for Robbie Anderson is to get one one-on-one down the field to make your fantasy day that's all it takes for Robbie Anderson but what I am telling you is that I think there's going to be more games where he's going to be more of a wide receiver four than he is going to be a wide receiver two and I think it's going to be hard to know what exact games it's going to be that you're going to want to play him as a result. The only player I think in this Jets team that is safe as far as being able to expect consistent fantasy production out of is Le'Veon Bell. And even there, I have some question marks as to how high is that ceiling. It depends on what format you're in right now, whether he is getting drafted in, in the first round or drafted in the second down or second down, second round. It depends on what format you're in, whether it's ESPN or Yahoo. ESPN seems to have him pretty concretely in that first round. Yahoo seems to have him kind of more on that teetering point between that first and second round. That's more, I think the second round is more a safe position for you to take Le'Veon Bell, for you to consider Le'Veon Bell. Because you're still dealing with a coach who already had a red flag and saying, like, I didn't want to sign Le'Veon Bell. Now, to clarify, if anybody is still, you know, confused about that situation is that he didn't want to pay Le'Veon Bell not that he didn't want Le'Veon Bell um, but you're still talking about a coach who has a long history of running back by committee and also has a long history of playing the running back with the lesser talent Ronnie Hillman played more than CJ Anderson um, you know once Matt Forte was gone it was kind of a mess there in Chicago but took a while for Jordan Howard Dolphins Kenyon Drake, Frank Gore. Frank Gore would want to play. Kenyon Drake, like Kenyon Drake somehow was a a, a running back too, was still somehow a a almost top 24 running back, even though he was on the field less than 50% of the time. So I'm not saying that's what he's going to do to Le'Veon Bell because he is Le'Veon Bell. So there is some security in that sense that because he is a well-known superstar, that Adam Gase will then be handcuffed. Uh, to protect himself in some senses, where you're not just going to be like, hey, let's throw Bilal Powell out here for no reason, who we just brought back. We, you know, let's let's throw, you know, Elijah McGuire, who I mean, may or may not make the team at this point. Also, if you're if you're reading into that, but it's going to be Le'Veon Bell. He has to be the featured guy. The only my other question besides you know Adam Gase and his inability to always put guys in the best situations is also the fact that that offensive line is really bad. Uh, it's a team that is going to play it short, so I think defenses are going to be able to squeeze the Jets because of the way that system sets up. And with that offensive line not being the greatest, look, Le'Veon Bell makes guys miss with the best of them because of his elusiveness and his patience at the line. But if he has a really bad offensive line that's not giving him holes, he doesn't tend to hit the hole hard running through the line of scrimmage all the time. Uh, he likes to try to dance and find that crease. He's, I don't think he's going to have too many opportunities he's going to be able to do that like he did in Pittsburgh. So... I think there are some questions there as far as how high can he go. Now, look, he is Le'Veon Bell, so he can be an RB1. But it's a situation where I would feel much better about taking a guy like that in the second round rather than the first round because I think there's too many question marks there given the situation and the talent or lack thereof around him to guarantee that he should be a first-round guy. With that, we're going to wrap up this podcast. We're going to wrap up the Coaching Changes Fantasy Impact Series here. Uh Next week, July 8th on Monday, we will have another podcast, and that will kick off our new eight-part mini-series that we are going to have, which will be Fantasy Analysis by Team Depth Charts, and we're going to kick that off next week. I plan on having a guest, an interview for one of the teams that we're going to be talking about that, so make sure you're following me throughout the week 
at MDFF Show on Twitter and on Facebook. Also following along on the website, mdffshow.com for that update and all the episode updates and the player news update information that you're going to be able to get if you make sure you have your notifications turned on to my Twitter page. I give you The only thing I give you on Twitter is, is player update notifications, new episodes, and also I, I tweet out, I retweet out what uh, my peers at my other networks that I am a part of who are also in the fantasy football industry that have they do really great work as well. So MD's Fantasy Football Show can really be a one-stop shop for fantasy football purposes for you uh, in in that way. So make sure you're following along on Twitter. But that is going to be next week. That's going to kick off an eight-part series that we are going to have. And we are bumping it up from once a week to twice a week. We're going to be on Mondays. And my plan right now is that we are going to be on Thursdays. So Mondays and Thursdays. So we're going to have a fantasy analysis by Team Depth Chart Part 1 on Monday. And then fantasy analysis by Team Depth Chart Part 2 on Thursday and it's going to be two week until that series is done and then we should be into August by the time that series is done and then I will keep you updated on what the podcast schedule will be from there but we are going to be going to two two weeks starting next week very excited I cannot wait uh, make sure to check out this podcast or any other podcast that I have Go to your favorite podcast apps. We're pretty much available almost anywhere. Check out the website, mdffshow.com. Overtimeheroics.com. We're available under their podcast tags. Same goes for the unwrappedsportsnetwork.com. And, of course, our new proud member, our new proud family, the Belly Up Sports Network. We are also going to be available on that network as well. Make sure you're checking out all those sites for their content, the great written content and forums that you can be a part of as a fan. I will see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash teamready. Ready.